Welcome to The Table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. So when I first became a pastor, there was one part of the job that I didn't feel comfortable with. I, it took a long time for me to get to a place where I felt comfortable. I learned that it was such a crucial part of what it meant to be a pastor though, but it was so uncomfortable for me. And that was navigating that silent space between me and others. You know that awkward silent space that I'm talking about? I realized how crucial that silent space is. If you don't know what I'm talking about, let, let me give some examples. There are a few places where that space becomes real. Like when I'm meeting with one of you over coffee or on Zoom and you're sharing with me about how unending the pain and exhaustion of, of a broken marriage is or, or parenting a teen with depression or battling cancer how hopeless it feels. And then you stop talking and there's this space between us, this silent space between where you haven't asked me for a response, but it's just quiet and we're just looking at each other. And when I first started as a pastor, I used to think that space was so awkward. <laughs> and I'd try to immediately fill that space. And, and many times you wanted me to fill that space because it would make the whole moment less awkward, right? But but over time, I learned that that space is crucial. I've learned to let that space, that silent space between us linger, to just let it be. And usually in that space, something happens. Usually you end up saying something you wouldn't have said, offering something that you wouldn't have offered, confessing something you wouldn't have confessed, realizing something about your life that you wouldn't have realized if I hadn't protected that space between us. Or it's like at a Bible study when I ask a deeply probing question about the scripture or, or what you see in the scripture and the room, the group, falls silent. No one answers. And my instinct is to move us in the right direction, right? To, to give the answer, to fill the space. But I've learned to just let the silence hang and it drives y'all crazy. And some of you jump prematurely in to rescue us from the silence, not making a bit of sense when you do, and rambling on because you can't stand that space. 
some of you have even said that maybe if I just send all the questions out in advance and you can have time to, you know, think of the answers in advance, it would invite people to answer more, which I know is a comment on the silent space, that awkward space. You feel it too, the awkwardness. But I've come to be okay with it. And you'll notice I, I just wait. I, I wait as people begin to let that space, you know, let it work and work us into the next leg of conversation that God is calling us into. And if those talkative folks don't swoop in and save us from the silence, sometimes profound encounters of God arise out of that space. Or one more example, it's, it's like that space I leave, those long pauses I take in sermons or when I pray. I've, I've, I've watched you all. You are really uncomfortable when I do that. But I'm waiting for some kind of conviction, curiosity in the moment, uh, a space for your heart and your mind to catch up with that moment and for it to become holy. Creating holy space is an art. It's this art of worship. And some of y'all, <laughs> y'all, some of y'all do not like that long pause that I do during prayer. And I feel that awkwardness. And I've seen you. I see you open one eye. You, you look up, open one eye. Is she okay? Did she have a stroke? Did she forget all the words? I see you. It means I open my eyes too, right? Because that space between us can be awkward. But I've realized that it's one of the most crucial parts of the job. Because it's that space that I make room for the, the energy that inevitably flows between us, flows in that moment. And what that energy asks of me is, is to contract a little, to withdraw a little bit. Um, not to swoop in with, with the next phrase of comfort or the right answers or, or bulldoze through my sermon or prayer, but, but, but to pause in order to be a good guide, it, it's to shepherd this relationship well in this moment. And your relationship with God in that moment, it requires me to withdraw a little bit so that there's space for you to exist and to thrive where you are in your faith. I used to be horrible at it, but, but I've learned that guarding that space between us is one of the ways I'm called as your pastor to offer a love like God's love to you. Which brings me to our question, or rather questions this week in our Ask Me Anything series. I have received, I believe, about 48 questions from you all now. And while there are some easy questions to pull out and answer because many of you basically ask the same question over and over again, there were also very specific questions that did not overlap. And yet many of them, many of these questions, kind of all fall under this category of where is God in my insert relationship status? I'm single, but, but I don't want to be. Where do I find God in that? I'm, I'm single and I'm quite content being single. Where do I find God in that? I'm dating, but it's been a bit complicated lately. Drama, drama, drama. Where do I find God in that? I'm married or I'm divorced or I'm widowed or I'm in a blossoming new relationship. Where do I find God in this? And, and wherever I am, how do I make sense of some of the things that I've heard? or some of the rules God seems to have in this wild ride of singleness and romance and marriage and the joys and pains of it all. Drilling in more specifically to your questions, is God really all that appalled by sex before marriage? And does God care if I'm unequally yoked because my, my husband really isn't a believer, but I am? And, and it took me 
forever to feel worthy to go to church again after my divorce. And it still hurts to read scriptures against it. And I grew up be, being taught that women are supposed to submit to, to fall under an authority, fall under their husbands. Does the Bible really support this? Because diminishing my own opinions and power and authority was what ended my marriage. So many of your questions were related to various cherry-picked scriptures from the Bible that have contributed in some way, have been building blocks within your understanding of God's will in singleness and marriage. And as I read your questions, I could just feel the guilt and the shame and the skepticism and the confusion that these questions have left in the spaces between you and those you love, in the space between you and God, in the spaces between your relationships and seasons of your life. It's like you've been waiting all your life to ask these questions. And yeah, they do seem smaller. They seem like smaller questions than like, where is God in suffering? But they are bigger questions about what God's will is and who God is and why God says no and what God cares about. And so if you allow me today, I'd like to string them all together and get, get at these smaller questions by getting at the bigger question and begin to chisel away at some of that guilt and that shame and, and that skepticism and confusion that have been, it filled the space between you and God and you and others. And I actually think it's this space between us and God and us and each other that will help us answer these questions today alongside scripture. Lucky for us, the ancient rabbis of the faith actually had a word for describing what happens in that space between, in that energy between us, between us and God and between us as humans. There was this Hebrew word used by, by the ancient rabbis, first used to talk about how God created the world. And the word was zimzum, the zimzum of God's love for us. Zimzum for the ancient rabbis was this poetic, metaphysical way of talking about how God made space for us. The idea was that before any, there was anything at all, there was God, right? The divine was all there was. And, and for something to exist other than God, God would have to create space that wasn't God. Basically, for, for something else to exist that isn't God, for us to exist, because we're not God, God would have to contract God's self, to withdraw God's self from a certain space so that something else, something other than God could exist and thrive in that space. And the word the ancient rabbis used for this divine withdrawal, this divine contraction, is zimzum. God contracting to make room for our expansion. This was the zimzum of God's love, a love like that, that bends and stretches to make room, to make space for us to exist and thrive. And God's greatest desire was for us to return that love, making space for God to live and move and thrive in the recesses of our lives, that we might zimzum in communion with God and unleash this energy and create this space that didn't exist before, the lifeblood of worship and faith, a life of goodness and wholeness that, that is a testament to a love like that, a love like God's love. But as you know, we didn't readily return that love. We didn't readily create that space, which brings us to our scripture today. 
um, in, in John 3. Did you hear it as Elizabeth read it for us? The ancient rabbis used this word zimzum to describe how God made space for us at the dawn of creation, but that's not the only time God zimzummed. We didn't return that love. We didn't create that space. So God showed up in the greatest zimzum we'll ever know. As John's gospel puts it, God contracted God's self to make space for us again by descending from heaven as the son of man. God contracted God's self to make space for us to thrive by giving his only son so that, that we might know eternal life, so that we might know the zimzum of God's love, so that we might know a love like that, so that we might thrive in God's light and God's goodness in the space that God has created for us. God is the very essence of self-giving relationship with us. This is the zimzum of God's love. And that means that those questions that you asked about singleness and marriage and divorce and, and how you ought to make space and how you ought to make sense of those things you've been told about, about what God cares about. If, if God contracted God's self so that, that you might thrive, then God cares and is invested in the goodness, your goodness and your thriving and your questions. God wants you to have life and have it to the fullest. God cares about the space between us. God cares about those questions. The space not just between God and us, but, but between us. God zimzummed at the dawn of creation and in the person of Jesus to make space for you and calls you to live that zimzum of God's love out. Now, the, the few of you who have done marriage counseling with me have heard of this before because I had you read a book about this, The Zimzum of Love. Highly, highly recommend this book for couples of all kinds. It's the best most accurate description of marriage that I have ever read. That, that marriage is this practice of zimzumming with one another, practice of making space for another to exist and thrive. And, and one of the things I love most about this book is how it takes this space, this energy between two people, and it breaks it down into four main, main categories to assess. Bell, the author, suggests that the space, the energy between two persons, can always be defined as one of the following, as responsive, dynamic, exclusive, or sacred. I'll say them again. Responsive, dynamic, exclusive, sacred. The responsive space between two people could, could best um, be, be illustrated in God's desire for us to exist and thrive and for this this to happen our, in our relationships um, that 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 it can't just be one way it, there there mu it must be mutual the space between us is highly responsive because it's this generative space whatever you put into it it multiplies exponentially this is why marriage can be be so difficult and so great <laughs> the space that multiplies and magnifies any negativity between you also happens to be the same space that multiplies and magnifies those, those generous things you do for one another. And when, when we bring all of ourselves to the space between us and move toward and make room for the other in love, we have the ability to activate this powerful force between us. Second, there is this dynamic energy within the space between us. Here is the human being before us, this endless mystery of a person, 
standing in front of us, who is ever-changing. And I, I must be curious to always find out more about this person. This person is bound to change throughout our time together. Third, there is this exclusive energy within the space between us. Um, there are some things that are only for us, for me and this person, some things exclusive to this relationship, to this relationship, to this space, um, that help us exist and thrive together to share these just with each other. And, and, to, and to not share them with each other is to undervalue that space. And finally, there's this sacred energy between us. As, as much as you zimzum for this person, as much as you try to imitate a love like God's love, a love like that, you will never be able to, to zimzum unconditionally as God does. There will always be hard moments. There will always be broken promises. But in the light of God who makes space for you, that sacred space between you can become a place of, of chaos and brokenness of the world, but it also can become a place of oneness and wholeness if you let it. Responsive, dynamic, exclusive, sacred. And this is when I get to answering your questions today. Friends, the God who zimzummed for you, who contracted and withdrew to create space for you, desires for you, calls you to create responsive, dynamic, exclusive, sacred space for others. This is a part of what it means to be human and definitely to be Christian. When we know who God is, the fullness of God, the zimzumming love of God, the God who offers a love like that, makes space for us to exist and thrive, all the rest becomes super clear. And we don't have to linger in the cherry-picked verses of scripture or contextually obtuse interpretations of those scriptures. We don't have to linger in the guilt, and we don't have to linger in the shame and the skepticism and the confusion. As John puts it in, in our text today, this God did not zimzum for us and send the Son to condemn the world, but in order that we might be saved, that we might find newness of life existing and thriving in the goodness and wholeness of God, which is the answer to all of our questions. Does, does God care about your, your sex life? Does God care if you have sex before marriage? Yes, God cares. Because God cares about your physical and emotional well-being. God created space for you to exist and thrive and God wants what's best for you. God wants only wholeness and goodness for you. Is, is sex before marriage a sin? Well, well, the answer isn't a blanket yes. Does it work toward your wholeness and goodness? Does it strive to mimic the zimzum of God's love? Is it responsive, dynamic, exclusive, sacred? Or is it just sex? And if it's just sex, it runs the risk of hurting you of breaking you, and God made space only for you to thrive. Are women supposed to submit to the authority of their husbands? Is this something God wants? Well, let me ask you. Is it possible to give up your own power and authority and opinions and perspective and still live into the responsive, dynamic, exclusive, sacred, zimzumming love of God? <coughs> if marriage is this mutual experience of zimzum of God, and then both persons better be making space for the other. If, if one person's power and authority is supreme, overshadowing the others and, until their partnership and opinion and power matters less, it is not the zimzumming love of God. D does Jesus really hate divorce? Jesus hates 
anything that hurts you. Let me be clear on that. Anything that dis- diminishes the space that God created um, for you to thrive, that steals your joy and wholeness. And yes, that can be divorce, but that can also easily be an unhealthy marriage. A marriage that has created, <laughs> that has created chaos and has ceased being responsive and dynamic and exclusive and sacred. A marriage completely rid of the zimzumming love of God. A marriage where space isn't made, but is, is hoarded. And is Jesus against remarriage? Well, well, does this new marriage have the ability of, of restoring that kind of responsive, dynamic, exclusive, sacred love of God? Will this new marriage help you thrive? What a beautiful thing in the eyes of God. God would rather you be divorced and know the zimzumming love of God. Does God care if you are unequally yoked, married to an unbeliever? Again, does this marriage live out the zimzumming love of God? Does it create space for you to exist and thrive, including sacred space for you to lift up your faith as important to your thriving? Is it dynamic and responsive and exclusive and sacred? Does it still acknowledge the mystery of God's unconditional love that is always to make space for you to thrive together? And let's be honest, there are plenty of marriages where both partners are believers, but the zimzumming love of God is completely absent. And it's like they're believing in some fairy tale Christian life when all that's ever spoken in their household is death. And finally, those of you who are single, whether you're, you're pining for love like this, or you are perfectly content and fulfilled in your singleness here and now, where is God in all that? What does God have to say about, about finding fulfillment in singleness? The God who Zimzum contracted, withdrew to create space for us to exist and thrive, longs for nothing less than us to find responsive, dynamic, exclusive, and sacred space with others. God does not call us to marriage. God calls us to that kind of relationship, responsive, dynamic, exclusive, sacred relationship with the world around us. Spaces and relationships and postures that that work toward the wholeness and goodness of God, that witness to that goodness and help others exist and thrive. If you you are, are fulfilled in your singleness right now, it's probably because you found that space. You found that kind of zimzumming love, a love like that. You found the ways in your life to create that kind of space for others to exist and thrive, and you didn't need marriage to do that. And if you are feeling unfulfilled in your singleness, I pray that you might find that. Not not a spouse, not a lover, not, not the next great love story, but rather first to fall in love with the God who made space for you in Jesus. And find ways of living out that love and community responsibly, dynamically, exclusively, sacredly making, making space for others to thrive and exist as you do. I offer this to you in the name of God the Father, in the name of Christ His Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. At